Thank you, Emma. Good morning, everyone. Hi, welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you've been here before or if it's your first time, welcome. Um, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever you're going through right now, we believe God wants to speak to you this morning and through you. So we're so excited you're here. Um, we also want to draw your attention to the communion tables throughout the sanctuary. As the Lord leads you, go take communion. If you're a believer, it's for you to remember his body and his blood, that it's all a gift, that he's the reason that we're here, and uh, we have something to celebrate. So praise God. If you're able, stand with me, and we're going to read just the first two verses of Psalm 85 to start the service. Psalm 85, verse 1. Lord, or Yahweh, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. Selah. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've forgiven our sin, Lord. If you should mark sins, Lord, who, who could stand? We are none of us. We are all sinners, God. We thank you so much for the beautiful, glorious good news of the gospel that has come to us, that has begun this church and every church, Lord. And we pray today you just continue that work of forgiveness to us, Lord, forgiveness from us to others. Lord, let us be, be completely free from bitterness and sin and guilt. Lord, thank you that you came to heal and restore lives and relationship, and that begins with a relationship with you. Lord, as we worship you, as we get into your word today, we, we pray you'd be in the center. Our relationship with you would grow. We pray new people would know you, Lord, and that that would just overflow from this place. Thank you so much for this morning and everyone here, God. We give it to you together. In your name we pray. Amen. Turn around and say hello to someone, and we'll get into our worship time. Do not be afraid. 
to us a child is born Unto you a child is born And unto us a son is given Let every heart prepare a throne And every nation under him Oh, come and worship Do not be afraid And my soul, my soul
time, as we set this time aside from this busy week, Lord, I ask that you would be among us, Lord, that you'd receive the attention that you deserve in this place, God. I pray as we just sang, Lord, that our hearts would be holy ground, Lord, that you would abide in our hearts, Lord, this morning, that you would have your way, that you would show us your glory, Lord through this time of worship, through the study of your word. 
Help us to surrender ourselves to you, Lord. I know a lot of us come in from a busy week this time, Lord, and this crazy time of season, Lord, can get just chaotic, Lord, and I pray that you would put us at rest. Help us to focus on the meaning of this time of year, Lord, as we celebrate your birth, the greatest gift given ever, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We stand in awe of you this morning. Ask that you would receive our praise in your name. Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my 
Amen. Let's take a moment this morning and welcome Izzy Ray.
This next song I'm going to share with you, I wrote about 10 years ago now, actually, around this time of year, um, which I know the holidays can oftentimes be difficult if you've lost someone around this time, or maybe this season is just really putting you through it, and um, you need a little extra helping of peace and hope, and I just felt like as I was preparing for this weekend, God really wanted me to share this song with you, so this song is called Still Hope. Just hold me Let me catch my breath Cause I can't breathe I'm surrounded by death But there's still hope Even when it's lost And even though All I have is gone I know that you're my 
help at the church. If you're interested in a part-time maintenance position, please apply in the church office. We need proper tools for all this, man. What's up, everybody? This is Pastor Greg. And I'm Rick. Hey, what's up, Mijo? So, guys, our big Christmas Eve service is coming up December 24th. That's right. And Rick and I are here to load up the Christmas tree. Rick, go get your truck, bro. Yeah, back it up, dude. I got to go surfing. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. We got our tree loaded up in the truck. We'll see you guys Christmas Eve at 6.30. We have special guest artist, Dennis Agajanian, the world's fastest guitar player. You ready for that, Rick? I am. All right. I'll see you later, big bro. Bye-bye now. You ever thought about working at the bookstore? Please apply this week. It's a great job. At this time, we want to release junior high and high school to go meet your teachers in the lobby. And parents, you can meet them back there after the service. We also want to let you know if the Lord's leading you to give, you can give in the boxes at the back of the sanctuary, in the lobby, or online at our website. Let's go to prayer now and just take a few moments and quiet our hearts before the Lord, uh, before the Bible study.
good morning, good morning. If we could all bow our heads, please. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, for your grace. Lord, if there is anybody here today struggling, Lord, with the holidays, the anxiety, the depression, Lord, we ask that you show them, you comfort them, and you show them the reason for the season, Lord, and that is you bringing your son to this earth to die for us, Lord. Lord, I ask if there is any other burdens, Lord, that you speak through Pastor Ed this morning as he gives the message. In all this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. That wasn't a description. That's it. his name, really is. And Emily, great worship. If you wouldn't mind standing with me, please. We are in the book of Acts this morning, working our way through the Bible verse by verse. We're in Acts chapter 9, verse 10 this morning. And uh, Saul of Tarsus has been knocked off his horse on the way to Damascus. And uh, he is in Damascus and... God appears to a man named Ananias, verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord, good answer. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying And in a vision, he had seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, But Lord, I have heard that many say this man, how much harm he has done to the saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things that he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias went on his way, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent many days with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he preached the Messiah, the Christ, in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength. And he confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Messiah the Christ. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've recorded for us this history that we might see what it is that you are doing then and what you're doing now in the world. 
speak to us, teach us now, we ask, in Jesus' name. And all of God's children agreed by saying, Amen. You may be seated, please. Well, I love the old story, and it is an old story about a a Tennessee farmer who lived up in the hills back in the hollers, and uh, he'd never been to the big city in Nashville, so he fired up the pickup truck, put the kids in the back and his wife in the truck with him, and they drove on down for the very first time to see Nashville. He'd never been in a big city before, and he pulled up in front of the biggest thing he could see, and it turned out to be the Hilton. He said, come on, we're going inside. So he walks inside, and there in the lobby, of course, there's waterfalls and fountains and lights and people, and uh, he'd never seen any of this stuff before, and he walks up to two brass doors. They didn't have any handles on it. He couldn't figure out what it was for. And uh, he'd never seen an elevator. And so he's standing there looking at it with the lights and stuff on top. And, and a little old lady comes up with a cane and she walks towards the double doors and they open for her. And she walks in. He's amazed. Door shut. And then up above all these lights started moving. A couple minutes later, the doors opened again and a beautiful young lady walked up. And he said, son, go get your mama. Radically changed, right? Well, that's what we're reading about. Saul is radically changed and will become Paul. Now, those two names are interchangeable, and I'll use them both this morning. Saul is actually this Hebrew pronunciation of his name, and Paul, or Paulus, is the Greek pronunciation of his name. So it's the same guy, and uh, he is there in what is Damascus still to this day, and uh, wonderful things are happening. Now, if you're just joining us, the book of Acts is really the story of the first Christian church in the world, and it started in Jerusalem. If you remember the story, Jesus told the apostles to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit had come, and then he ascended into heaven, and so they waited, 120 people waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And finally, on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell, and some strange things happened. People started speaking in unknown tongues, and a huge crowd gathered because it sounded like rushing wind. So this huge crowd of people are standing, and Peter, the apostle that always had his foot in his mouth, comes up and he delivers a sermon. And it's an astounding message. And it's so powerful that 3,000 people get saved. So suddenly the church goes from 120 people to 3,120 people in Jerusalem. A few days later, he does it again. 2,000 more people get saved. Suddenly the church is more than 5,000 people in the city of Jerusalem. Well, the church grows and they have leaders. And one of the leaders' names was Stephen. And he's out speaking. He's an open-air preacher. And uh, he's doing a great job but he was doing too good a job. And so the high priest had him arrested because he said Jesus was God on the Temple Mount. And these Jews took that as a great offense. They called it blasphemy, that he'd spoken evil of something that was good. God is good, and he said Jesus was God. Well, he was arrested. He's put on trial before what's their equivalent of our Supreme Court. They call it the Sanhedrin. He's found guilty. And they sentenced him to death for using the name of Jesus that way. And they 
administered capital punishment by stoning someone to death. And so Stephen was stoned to death while Saul from the city called Tarsus is watching. This Saul of Tarsus is really the one we just read about, and he will become the, the writer of one-third of the New Testament. All the letters written by Paul is the same guy. So he is given permission, Saul is given permission to go to Damascus, which is 140 miles north of Jerusalem, to go and capture all the Christians there that he could catch and bind them and bring them back to Jerusalem so they could be tried and they would be found guilty of blasphemy too. And so he's really committing murder. He's having all these Christians come back and the only thing they're guilty of is saying that Jesus is God's son. So he's almost to Damascus. We saw in the first part of this chapter last time. And he's with, gathered with a bunch of men, guards, temple guards were with him. And he gets just to the outskirts of the city and suddenly he's knocked off his horse flat on the ground by a flash of light. And then a voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul is stunned. He couldn't see a thing. And he said, who are you, Lord? Ah. He got it right. He figured if somebody was strong enough to knock me off my horse with just a light, it might be God. (laughs) Who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And those two questions are really important. Every person within the sound of my voice should be able to answer that question. If you haven't asked it before, this is the right time. Who are you, Lord? If you say Buddha, you got the wrong address. If you say Confucius, he's dead and gone. Buddha's tooth is still available. You can go look at it in Tangwon, China. If you say a whole bunch of other things, it's wrong. You got to get the address right. The Lord is Jesus. God came to earth in the form of Jesus Christ and died on a cross for my sins. The things I have been guilty of in my life, he died for mine. But the good news is he died for yours too. Anyone that would call on him. So Ananias says, who are, or excuse me, Paul says to Jesus, who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? Get those questions right and your life will suddenly make sense. So Jesus said, I want you to go into the city, and I will tell you what to do after that. And that's usually the way God speaks to me. I'm looking for directions for the next five years, and he tells me about this afternoon. And, uh, and that keeps us in close contact, because then this afternoon I have to ask him again, and then this evening I have to ask him again, and you have to ask him in the morning, and on and on and on. You just reel in the sin like a fish on a line. Why? Because he likes you. Now, a lot of you I know, and that's a wonder. Not that I know you, but that he likes you. Because the same wonder is true about me. Ananias' name means favor, God's favor, or literally grace. What's grace? 
Grace is unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor from God. You don't deserve it, I don't deserve it, but he gives it freely to everybody because God so loved the that he gave his only begotten son. Everybody, anybody, anywhere, anytime. So Ananias, whose name means grace, uh, is uh, about to be sent to visit Saul, who is uh, staying at a house. So this section breaks up into three parts. God's call, verse 10 through 16, and then Ananias' obedience, he goes, 17 and 18, and then this radical change that comes over this man who was a murderer, who suddenly receives forgiveness from God and is completely transformed. And he will write this large portion of the Bible, which is the reason why most of us are here this morning. How so, Pastor? Well, Paul took the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for everyone's sin, to all the countries around the Mediterranean, it's called the Levant area, and then he went up into Europe, and then the people in Europe took the gospel to these United States, and this United States sends more missionaries than any other nation on the face of the earth. To this day, more missionaries are in the world who are Americans than anyone else. The second most sending nation is Brazil. So, Paul is the one who, excuse me, Jesus is the one who put the match to Saul, who put the match to the world. And you and I are the recipients of that. But Paul knows he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't brag about it. He says, I was, it is by grace I have been saved through faith. It's not of myself. It's not by works. I don't earn my way to heaven. It's the gift of God. So that's where we're going with this. Here's the call of God. So we're really looking at two people. We're looking at Saul, who's going to become Paul the Apostle, and we're looking at Ananias, because he's just a normal Christian, just like you. And God uses him to speak to the guy who's going to write a third of the New Testament. How might God use you? if you were obedient to what he asked you to do. Don't sell yourself short. God uses mud, clay, jars of clay. He uses people who are just normal, like you and I. So, there was this certain disciple of Damascus, Syria, named Ananias, Grace, God's grace, and to him the Lord said in a vision, he appeared to him in a vision, Ananias, and notice he's listening, and he says, here I am, Lord. That's the right answer if God ever speaks to you. I've never heard him speak audibly to me, but he's spoken to my heart over and over again. When I'm reading things, when I'm listening to Christian music, when I'm listening to somebody else preach, So expect God to speak to you. And if you think he's asking you to do something, just say, here I am, Lord. I'm ready. Whatever you want me to do. So, first of all, notice that Jesus knew Ananias by name. He knows you by name. 
He will call you by name. That's what he said in John 3, 10, 3. To him, the doorkeeper and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So when you hear your name, it might be him. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they know me. So expect it. Second, notice that he's an unsung hero. We never see him again in the Bible, except a description of this same event all over again in Acts chapter 22. He suddenly comes on the scene, and then he suddenly disappears. And we don't know anything more about him, except one thing that I'll show you. So Saul is in a Jew's home. His name is Judas, and uh, it's there that he'll have this confrontation with Ananias. Ananias, Paul would say later in Acts chapter 22, uh, a devout man according to the law. He spent time in God's word. He knew the Bible. And having a good testimony, he was a witness for God. He had evidence in his life that people knew that he had been with God. People know when you've been with Jesus too. It comes out. Now, there's nothing here that says that Ananias was extra holy, just going to church, minding his own business, if you will. But God loves to use common, everyday people. They become well-known afterwards, but they start out, we've got a room full of ordinary, everyday people. God's ready to do something great on the earth, and he will call you. So Ananias is there at the right place at the right time with the right attitude of heart. Follow? He's, he's listening. He's ready to do whatever God asks him. And he happens to be at this, this turning point in history. So God uses Ananias, I believe, because he's unknown. Because he's just an ordinary man. All that is to encourage us that he might use us. He encouraged him in a vision. He received a vision from God and was called by name. And you might call it a double vision because we'll see in a second that both Ananias and Paul, Saul, both had visions about each other. And and so when he said, I'm here, uh, he literally said, I am here. Whatever you want. He's both available and he wants to be obedient, which is a key. So God speaks when someone is listening. So... It happened. It happened to Moses. And God spoke from a burning bush. It happened to Samuel when God spoke to a young man in the temple. It happened to Samuel when God spoke. It happened to Jeremiah when God spoke to him to be a prophet. It happened to Joshua when he was called to command the armies of Israel. It happened to Abraham when he was called to be the father of the faithful. To the disciples, when they were fishing, going to work, doing what God wanted them to do to take care of their families. Always, it is God who calls to the person who's listening. Are you listening this morning? He's speaking. In a vision, got to love this setup. God says, Ananias, I want you to go to a certain street, to a certain Jew's house, and find a certain blind man who had a vision, and that man is named, 
actually that would be you, Ananias, and he's going to pray for the man to be healed. It's a God setup. It's a God incident. What? So many th- times things happen in life where we go, what a coincidence. Not in a Christian's life. There's God incidences because God brings everything together at the right moment at the right time. Next time you're tempted to say, uh, what a coincidence. Go, is that you, Lord? Because <laughs> it probably is. So, he said, I want you to go to this street. Verse 11. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight. And that street is still there today, right down the center of the city of Damascus. Inquire at the house of Judas and for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. There's a lot there. But first I want to show you uh, Ananias' house. That's what's hanging on the wall. And if you go to Damascus today, you'll probably get shot. But maybe you want to wait a few weeks till the war is over. But that's Ananias' basement. He built a little church, a little chapel in his basement. And that's the door into it from downtown Damascus. And that's Judas's house where he's going to meet Saul. It has a big plaque on it. So that's where he's going. And that, by the way, that was Straight Street uh, in that last picture. Look down at it. Hmm, go straight. Good name. Could be it. So he is praying, it says. Saul is praying. I think this is unusual. I think what Dr. Luke, who wrote this, is trying to tell us that Saul prayed all the time as a Jew. Jews pray twice a day, morning and evening. They pray something called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Shema, Israel, Akkad, Adonai. In the morning, same thing in the evening. They also pray 18 other prayers during the day. So they have to pray 20 times a day. But they're all wrote. They're all memorized prayers. I grew up in a home like that. I I went to a church like that as a little boy. And all the prayers were memorized. I memorized them by the time I was a little kid. So uh, just not to leave you hanging, I grew up in an Irish Catholic home. Uh, my mother was a typical Irish mother, don't cross her. <laughs> and there were five of us, and my three brothers and I received plenty of spankings and don't feel badly for my mom. We deserved a lot more. <laughs> and she probably didn't give us enough, which is the problem. But we, I, I, I diverge. We're talking about prayer. Saul is praying probably for the first time in his life Words that were his own. Let me challenge you with that. Do you just pray prayers? You know, well, I pray, pray our Father who art in heaven. I, I learned that. Nothing wrong with that prayer. But God is looking to help us mature. And you need to talk to him like a conversation with your best friend. Because he is. You may not know him very well yet, but he's the best friend you'll ever have. And you say, Jesus, you know I have a problem. Would you forgive me for that? Just be normal, be natural. He wants a personal relationship with you. 
at a level that is very intimate. God so what the world? So loved, he loves you. I know, it's very strange. So, behold, he is praying. Verse 12. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him to pray for him, that he might receive his sight. So the Lord is preparing both Ananias and Saul to have these visions so when they get together they know, hey, this is a God incident. This is what God planned. But Ananias is a little reluctant, verse 13. Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Maybe Ananias wanted to make sure they, they were talking about the same guy. <laughs> this is the Saul that like is killing people. And let me get this straight, Lord. You want me to go to the guy that came here looking for Christians and I are one. <laughs> this doesn't look good. What do you think he's going to do? Verse 14, this is even funnier. He says, Lord, here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Lord, Saul has authority. An angel said in the background, this is great. He's praying and telling God that this guy has authority. The creator of the universe who has authority over everything and everyone. So, I, I didn't realize that in an ice. I'm sure that's what Jesus said. He has authority. Oh no, what are we going to do about that? Verse 15. The Lord said to him, Go, enough of this. Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine, chosen to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. God is very patient with his children, but finally he gets to the end and he says, no, just, just go. It's impossible to miss the call of God in your life. That's my point. That's God's point here. If you think God is speaking to you, be quiet and listen. Get by yourself and listen. He will speak to you. As I said, I don't hear his voice audibly, but he speaks all the time. In, in fact, there's a lot of things I wish I didn't hear from him about what's wrong in my life he's trying to fix. So he constantly calls on people to go and, and take great truth to other people. Go to those in need, no matter the danger, no matter the cost, people that need your help. He is a chosen vessel, a vessel of election, literally it says, God chose him for a special work. God chose you for a special work. You may not know it yet, but there's one person at least, one time, maybe you've already done it, but you need to speak to them about God. And when you do, you'll fulfill your mission in life. If there's only one, he may have you do more than that. That's what happens to Paul. He's not just going to one person. He's going to Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel to bear the name the name of Jesus to others. Verse 16, for I will show him how many things he must suffer. Now Anna and I said, okay, now you're talking. This is a bad man. He's going to suffer? Okay, I'll go talk to him, Lord. It'll be great. <laughs> Saul suffer? Yay. Verse 17, and Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul. Wow. 
He recognized, he heard what Jesus said, this guy is his brother in the Lord. We are the family of God. You are sitting amongst brothers and sisters here this morning. You are my brothers and you are my sisters and I need to act that way towards you. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, he sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and he's going to be healed. Now, I'll just be transparent with you. This verse causes some struggles with theologians, with guys that spend all their life trying to figure out God. And here's the setup. He's been knocked off a horse on his way to Damascus, and Saul says, Lord, who are you? He recognized it was God. What do you want me to do? He said, you be my Lord. Now, a second event is happening 72 hours at least later. I don't think that those are two separate occasions. I think this is what it took to get Saul into the kingdom of God. We'll see as we travel through the book of Acts that Saul is a pretty stubborn guy. And I know a little bit about that in my own life. And, and I think it takes three days for him to come around. He gets knocked on his keister, <laughs> off his high horse, and he fights with God. He's still fighting with him while he's praying. And finally, this guy comes, Ananias, and puts his hands on him. Who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you would receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had been working on his life. He was convicted for sin. He was probably repenting when he was praying, God, please forgive me. But now the Holy Spirit is going to come, the Greek word is epi, E-P-I, over him, upon him. And the importance of being filled under the control of the Holy Spirit. He's going to be controlled by the Spirit. When you surrender your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in you. That's what the Old Testament said the New Covenant, the New Testament would be. I'll take out your heart of stone. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I know I had a heart of stone. And put in a heart of flesh, and I will write my law of love on your heart. Love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the New Covenant. And... I will cause you, God's still speaking, I'll write this on your heart, put the Holy Spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my ways. Cause? Yeah, you surrender to God, and then he changes your want to, your desires. And you find yourself desiring to do what God wants you to do. Immediately? I wish it was. I've been doing this for more than 40 years, and uh, God's still got a lot of work. Oh my goodness, that's probably what he says. Oh my goodness, Ed. So much work. 18. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received a set at once, and he arose and was baptized. Something like scales. This is the only place in the New Testament that this word appears, scales. But we, we have an Old Testament in Greek, and in Leviticus 11.9, it says fish have these. So that's why they think, well, it's something like scales. 
So it is a flash blindness that he's experiencing. And this is what it looks like to a human eye who's looked at a bomb in Hiroshima or Hiroshima or Japan. Our eye has a, a, a transparent layer over it. This is not the same thing as a cataract. That's actually inside your eye. The lens itself turns opaque. But this is a, from a flash, like an arc welder, only it really opaques up when it's seen a nuclear blast. And all the people that had this happen in Hiroshima and Nick, yeah. Nagasaki, I kept trying to say Nicaragua, and as soon as I say that, I'm going to be stuck there. <laughs> yes, so um, none of them healed. They, they, they were blind the rest of their life. It's a terrible condition. But God just popped them off like they were contact lenses or something he could see. Now we have rods and cones in the back of our eye. They look like this. Where else could you go to church and have a biology lesson? The, the rod is the one on the bottom on the left-hand side. The little black dots are the cones, and the cones are very sensitive. Uh, the rods are not quite as sensitive. The rods can't tell colors. The cones can, and you need both of them, and that's what the back of your eye, the retina, looks like. But this was the front of his eye. It's kind of like the windshield on a car, the clear front, and, uh, and it was blasted. But there's another way to look at those scales that Saul had on his eyes. I had scales on my eyes that I couldn't see anything spiritual. I grew up, you know, became a scientist, some of you know, as a biochemist for a number of years, and uh, ran a hospital laboratory and worked for a pharmaceutical company for a number of years. And I didn't believe there was anything besides what the five senses would tell me. If I could see it, taste it, hear it, touch it, then I would believe it was real. But there were, you couldn't do any of those things with the Spirit, with God, so he can't be real. But then I married this girl. I have an old friend here in the crowd this morning that was uh, around when I first met my wife a couple years ago. Make that 52 years ago. And, um, and she became a Christian after we were married. So anyway, long story short, I became introduced to the supernatural world that you can't smell, that you can't taste, that you can't hear, that you can't touch, that you can't weigh. But he's real. And he will let you know how real he is. So immediately, these scales from, came from his eyes. He could see. And then he arose and was baptized. Where? How do you get baptized in water? Well, the city of Damascus still has two rivers that run through it. They're really quite beautiful. The Baran is, is the one we're looking at, and the Phosphoral is the second one. Baran or Barada runs through the city, and the next shot is very close to Jason's house. So we think that's probably the place where Saul was baptized by Ananias. It's really kind of fun. So this makes me always think about what, what was this guy Saul? What did he look like? We don't have a description in the Bible, but we do have a very old document that describes him. And it's uh, called the Acts of Paul and Thetka. And this is what it says 
the Coptic text that's translated. Saul was a man of middling size, middle height. His hair was scanty, losing his hair. His legs were a little crooked, knock-kneed, maybe cowboy. His knees were projecting. Mm. He had large eyes, and his eyebrows met, unibrow in the middle. His nose was somewhat long. He's Jewish, huh? And he was full of grace and mercy. His personality was one of recognizing that God had rescued him and he didn't deserve it. But the last part gets to me. He seems sometimes like a man, but another time he seems like an angel. The words that he spoke were powerful because he lived what he said. Immediately after Saul was baptized, verse 20, he preached that the Messiah, the Christ, in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. This is called a creed. It comes from the Latin word credo, which means I believe. What do you believe? Paul instantly came to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Now, we used to sing a song around here. I asked the guys to uh, put it up on the screen. Some of you uh, who've been Christians a long time might remember it. But it is a creed that is very biblical. And it's called, I Believe in Jesus. And the line is, I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the Son of God. I believe he died and he rose again. I believe that he paid for us all. I believe that he's here now, standing in our midst with the power to heal now and the grace to forgive. That's a creed, a credo, that if you don't have one, you should adopt. I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the son of God. I believe he died for me and he rose again. And I believe he paid for us all. He is here now. He's in our midst and he's trying to speak to some of you. So all who heard were amazed when Paul is preaching, verse 21. Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name, this name of Jesus in Jerusalem, and has come here for that purpose, to arrest people, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests so they could go before the Supreme Court, they'd be found guilty, and they would be put to death, capital punishment for blasphemy. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus proving that this Jesus is the Messiah, is the Christ, is the Son of God. So Saul had come to this low point in his life where everything seemed to be going wrong. God had broken him on purpose as he did me. He sat in a room he was unfamiliar with. He was blind. He couldn't help himself. And he waited 
And in his quietness, he prayed. But more amazing, God listened. God heard. As he will hear you when you pray. Hudson Taylor started a missionary organization called the China Inland Mission. He said this, I used to ask God if he would come and help me. Then I I asked if he could he would come and I could help him. (laughs) That's growth. Help me, Lord, and now how can I help you? Finally, I ended up by asking God to do his own work, but through me. That's when you've come to the right place. God, I want to serve you. I want to do your work, and I'll be more than happy to do what you want me to be. So the results is what you will need to look at as you read over this. I pray you would this afternoon, maybe this evening. That Ananias, who was just a nobody, obeyed God when God said, go talk to this man. Yeah, but he has authority, God. (laughs) And God must have chuckled and said, you don't worry about authority, that's my department. And he went. And because he did, Saul was healed and became this force on the earth, his act of obedience. We often do not know here what our little simple acts might lead to. You might have heard of a a writer named John Bunyan. He wrote a little book called Pilgrim's Progress. It's the most published work in the world after the Bible. He got saved listening to two women behind him talking about their relationship with God. It made him hungry for the same relationship. And he was radically changed and saved the world. For the last 400 years, this book has been published. Still available today on Amazon. I don't get a kickback. When Noah heard and obeyed, he saved the world. When uh, Moses obeyed the Lord, the Israelites were set free. When David obeyed God, the giant Goliath fell. What kind of giants are you facing today? What is it that seems impossible? And it may be without God's help. I want to close with a true story written by Max Lucado. He's my favorite Christian author. He wrote it in his book called Six Hours, One Friday. Tells the story of a a missionary in Brazil. Uh, Lucado was a missionary himself in Brazil for five years. This man, he knew. He discovered a tribe of natives, Native Native Brazilians, in a remote part of the jungle. They lived near a very large river. The tribe was in need of medical attention because a contagious disease was ravaging the tribe. People were dying daily. A hospital was not very far away, but it was across a river. And the natives would not cross it because they believed the river was inhabited by evil spirits. To enter its water, they were sure, would mean certain death. So the missionary explained that he had crossed the river, and he was fine. They weren't impressed. So then he took them to the water bank, and he placed his hands in the water, shook it around. They still wouldn't go in. So finally he walked in up to his waist, 
And, and he threw the water in the air, and nobody was going in. They're all backing up. And so finally, he held his breath and dove under the water, swam under the water all the way to the other side and came up. And he put his hands in the air, and he said, I'm free. And a cheer went up from the natives. They were all really impressed. It was then that they broke into this cheer and then followed him across. Isn't that what Jesus did for you and I? He entered the river of death and came out on the other side so that we might no longer fear death, but find eternal life in him. How deep is the water you're trying to cross? Is it deeper than you can handle? Call on him, and he will take you all the way across. Would you stand, please? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you have rescued us, that you came and you died so that we might live for eternity with you. Lord, we know we don't deserve it, but we thank you that you are the God that loves us and did it for us. Most of us in this room understand that, Lord, but we know there are here some that aren't walking with you, and we ask that you would do a miracle right now and give them the same grace that you gave most of us in this room so that we could see Jesus, that we would understand his love for us and be saved. Christians, please pray. So I wonder if there's someone here this morning, maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've never been in church before. I talked to a young man last week, never been in church his whole life. Or maybe you've been, maybe you used to walk with the Lord and you've fallen away. This moment is for you too. If you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know that you're going to spend eternity with God, if you're ready to surrender your life to God, would you let me know? You're ready to surrender by looking up at me and raising your hand. I won't do anything to embarrass you. I'll just acknowledge it. God bless you, young lady. Anyone over here God is speaking to very back? Two of you. God bless you. And you, sir. God bless you. And you, sir, right in front of me. Smartest thing you've ever done. And you. God bless you. Anyone over here I missed? If I missed your hand, don't worry. God never misses a hand. He's been waiting. Very back. God bless you. Here on the aisle. Sorry. You. Yes. God bless you. Those of you that raised your hands, would you please pray with us? We're going to pray with you to make it easy. We're going to talk out loud to God. We're going to ask him to forgive our sins. And he's going to hear from heaven and change you right where you're standing. So everybody, please say out loud. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please forgive my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Those of you that prayed that for the first time, I pray that you'd go to these double doors to your left, to my right. Some of our elders are there. We'd love to pray with you and give you a Bible. And uh, if you need prayer because you're sick, please go there. Anyone that needs prayer, go there. To the rest, we're going to do one more song. If you need to leave, please do. If you'd like to stay and worship with us, one song, a short one.
sing together joy to the world joy to the world May the Lord bless you, and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Holy Spirit so fill your life with his gifts that other people see it in your eyes and say, what is it that happened to you? God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.